Hello to you around the world. I hope you are well, staying safe and staying sane in this unprecedented pandemic. Thanks for joining us for the second isolation episode. On this week's show, then, we dip into any possibilities of the season being declared or null and void and what it would mean for Saints. Alongside this, then, we take a step back into the time machine to have a look back at what happened in this week in history with some unclassic commentary. We also take your comments and decide our ultimate Saints five-a-side team, no restrictions, players past or present. And concluding the show, join us for the ins and outs, poking fun at whatever the world has got itself into this week, mostly dominated by our restrictions. These clips are taken from our Saints on Saturday radio show, 10 o'clock on 103.9 Voice FM in the local area, online or available on the TuneIn app around the world. So if you want to hear our tunes to accompany the show, head to Voice FM or check it out on our Spotify playlist. The link is available in the description of the show. Or if you're listening on Anchor, then it should be part of the episode. So on with the show then, remember to stay safe, keep washing your hands and keep marching in. Welcome to Saints on Saturday with the Ugly Inside, proudly sponsored by the Five Rivers Sports Bar and Grill on 103.9 Voice FM. My name is Freddie and that is Nick. Good morning, Nick. We're still in the bunker. We are still in the culture bunker, Freddie. That time of year, I think, at the moment, uh, it's sunny outside and cold and dreary inside. So let's cheer up everyone else in their own personal culture bunkers. Well, of course, the government have uh, put us all all on lockdown. So we're in our own culture bunker, uh, recording from the comfort of our own homes this week. So plenty still to get through. Um, we've given the game away, haven't we, Nick? Yeah, we have. We're not live in the studio, are we? We're well. We're recording it live. There we go. Right. Let's get so first of the uh, of the on, on the notes. Then uh, do you want to do you want to do the honours or shall I? Well, go on. I'll let you. Thank you, breakfast team. What a great way to start your weekend under lockdown. Voice FM here to keep you sane over the weekend. Right. This is Saints on Saturday. Of course, uh, there's been no action, no football, but there still is news to talk about. And it's been off the field this week uh, as uh, the kind of chief executive Martin Simmons hopes that the league to be completed by the end of June by by way of a sort of trying to reduce the amount of legal challenges such as players out of contract. Uh, there's a, there's, there will be a knock on effect for years to come. And there's also a possibility of finishing the season behind closed doors. Yeah, I mean, that, to tackle this first, it's good that Martin Simmons came out and made some comment. I mean, we've moaned about the past, I certainly have on the website, about the fact that the Saints media department, PR department, call you what you will, have been absolutely useless in communicating things. They're slow, they're not, you know, they don't really big up the club, they just issue statements and... Martin Simmons, I would say most Saints fans I speak to don't know who Martin Simmons is. They don't know who Toby Steele is, who is the the managing director, day-to-day managing director alongside Martin Simmons. And all the and a lot of people seem to think that Chairman Gao is on hands-on basis, whether he's on China on a, a video link or whether he's here and that he's making all the the, the noises when running the club. But now we know Martin Simmons is the CEO. He's the man that took over from 
are Ralph Kruger, and his job is to oversee the running of the club. And Toby Steele is managing director, his job to do the day-to-day running of the club. And between them, they're the man. So it's good to see that they're coming out and making themselves a little bit more visible. So uh, what Martin Simmons said wasn't a shock to the system. I'd said this from day one that the people that I'd spoken to had said to me that the league would probably not be started till the start of June. Martin Seven says it hopes to be complete by the end of June, but that's not my mm. understanding. They're, they're looking to try and play it to a uh, conclusion by the 12th of July, which would have been the date of the European Euro- Championship final. You're quite right. It's, it, it, it's to avoid legal challenges. I, I, a couple of days ago, the non-league clubs, uh, i.e. the Southern League and that, voted to... You know, declare the season as such null and void. Yeah. Uh, but the Premier League can't do that because yeah. you they will be whatever they do unless they complete the season will be subject to a legal challenge. Knock on effect for years if they complete it. I yeah. don't think there will be a knock on effect because they'll finish on the twelfth of July, which was what was going to happen anyway. Most of the players in the Premier League would have been involved with the Euros, possibly. There would have been skeleton training staffs back from the start of July. They'll be able to take a slight break, go again, top up the fitness, and there's no reason why the new season shouldn't be delayed if they complete by 12th of July, maybe a week. I think the, the, the biggest challenge, though, is is the perhaps the players that will be out of contract by, uh, by July. I mean, FIFA have, have been uh, discussing this week, uh, pr- pr- proposing whether they should be ex- extending expiring contracts until the conclusion of the season. Martin Simmons came out a few days ago and said, uh, you know, there's a good possibility, perhaps if it isn't sort of uh, justified by FIFA, we'll be paying handsomely to those that will be expiring yeah i mean i think martin seven showed a little bit of naivety there we've got three players out of contract really who uh, we've got yoshida and suarez who have already effectively left the club and we have shane long now if you take shane long yes you're going to pay him handsomely for two weeks work and you know most people listening to this show would be quite happy to be paid 50, 60 grand a week for a couple of weeks. It would be, you know, five years wages for many. Mm. But if you look at it from, say, Shane Long's point of view, Shane Long's coming to the end of his career. Does he want to risk a, a, a two-year contract, say, with someone? Say he's not, he's, Let's say his future isn't at St. Mary's. Shane Long will be looking to go out and get a decent two-year contract somewhere else. Does he want to risk two years of money for two weeks of money. And that's what he's going to have. If I if I was a player at a club, most players are going to say, I'm not going to risk serious injury. And then the club go, bye-bye, do that. You're going to stick to it and say, look, I want a two-year con- I can get a two-year contract somewhere because let's face it, anyone who we would want to play in that last season, we would hope would be wanted elsewhere. So for argument's sake, if Shane Long, Shane Long will not be short of offers. Will Shane Long risk two years' money for two weeks? Answer is, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't blame him mm. if he did. Well, um, uh, the, I guess the, the good thing going forward is that we don't have many players that are kind of uh, um, coming to the end of their contracts. But, uh, of course, another thing, uh, if, the, if the season is to be finished behind closed doors, uh, we kind of mentioned this a little bit on last week's show, um, you hear something on the grapevine that perhaps it would only be accessible to those with valid ticket holders on the club websites. 
Yeah, this has been bandied about. Uh, I think this was more at the start of when things come out and they started looking at preliminary talks in the fact that they were looking at trying to play games through, at, at say, pre the lockdown mm. and maybe straight after lockdown but it depends what it, it is so but if they play the game behind closed doors game or games behind closed doors what they don't want is if it this happens soon after we come out of lockdown whilst we're in a sort of descending period of cases we don't want to send it flying back up because everyone rushes back in the pubs recently open to watch your games so the likelihood is perhaps to start with they they may make it available to either valid season ticket holders or others who have valid club accounts so i.e club members and perhaps given that they want people to avoid contact they'll try and do this as little as possible so i would imagine anyone who's got a valid as they say database number mm. and login account may be able to to get the games because it's not going to be a case of pay-per-view they're going to put them on yeah um so all of these things are, are realistic you know the only issue really is players out of contract for us as i say we've got three but we would walk about two have gone anyway on a plus side we've got the possibility that we could have, how many is it, five or six out on loan coming back. Mm. So, okay, have some of them burnt their boats. Lamina probably. Burn their bridges, you mean? But no, burn their boats. Uh, we're a seaport. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, got, we go, you don't go to Hive on a bridge, you go on a ferry. So you can't burn your bridge to Hive. <laughs> You've got to burn it. You've got to burn your boat. So anyway, burn your bridges, burn your boats, whatever your personal choice is. Maybe Lamina has, but has El Yanusi has, uh, I mean, we're not that we need Fraser Forster but at the moment, but he could be a vital. Yeah. If we had an injury to one of our other keepers, Lamina's, I think, as you say, it's burnt his bridges. Uh, burnt his boat. Wes- burnt his boat. <laughs> Wesley Hope. Wesley Hope has burnt his canal boat, possibly. Uh, Carrillo, you know, if we've got a striker crisis on at the time, there's worse people than Carrillo coming back, yeah. you know. So so we've actually got more people coming back mm. than we've got going out. So, you know, we lose Shane Long, we can bring in Carrillo. Yeah. And this is all sort of hypothetical at this stage. Of course, there's no guarantee that the season will finish and Premier League clubs are set to meet again in a couple of weeks' time to decide uh, whether the season should be null and void. A bit like what happened to all the non-league clubs, step three below the uh, the, the non-league, National League has all been declared, uh, it's all been cancelled. And actually, Laurie has been out in the press this week to say that Premier League clubs need to do their their bits to help lower league clubs. Yeah, I don't know which one you want me to tackle first on this, but let's tackle the null and void uh, question. Up to the conference, in fact, if up to the, the National League, as they would term, I think that's what we term the conference now, as the conference yeah. National League. Yeah. Up until there, there, there's not a lot of difference. Uh, in fact, there's many clubs in the conference South and North who can't, couldn't financially take a jump up to the to the National League because suddenly you go from playing in the South or North to having to play nationally. So it's fine for a team like Slough Town in the Conference South 
who are fairly central. So, maybe, yeah, they might have a trip down a Truro, I think, maybe in it, mm. which is a bit of a haul. But the rest of it, you know, you're looking at things like going down to Weymouth, which is a, a 90 mile trip. You know, they've all, everything's in a 80, 90 radius. Everything can be done in a day. Whereas Slough would have to go out to places like potentially Barrow. So if Barrow was still in the National League and Slough got promoted from the South, they're faced with journeys all over the show. Yeah. Harrogate, Barrow, uh, to name but a few. So is, is there a realistic chance and the Premier League clubs will um, unanimously decide that this season should be null and void? Yeah, no, the point I'm making, though, is down at the bottom in the non-league, the financial uh, issues aren't there. Where it, So in two things, A, the clubs aren't going to lose out on lots of money if they're not promoted or get relegated, and B... They haven't, uh, they haven't got the money to fight it through the courts if it is declared null and void. Whereas in the Premier League, you have people who are fighting for £120 million. Pounds, so they're not worried about launching a... Well, Leeds wouldn't worry about launching a £5 million lawsuit if the seasons became null and void. So null and void, as you say, wasn't discussed last week, but it's been reported it's in various modelling. But everything does it. You know, people... In the coronavirus, people say, oh, yeah, they've they've discussed shutting down or putting the army on the streets. They would because they'll do various modelling. In any sort of business module, you you model various things that can happen. And then you put in stress tests to see what would happen if you do do that. So the Premier League would model the fact that for one reason or another, it was not possible to complete the season, what they would do. So they'll know what they would do, and that's good. But null and void's not on the table because of the legal challenges. Uh, and whichever way they do it, declare a whole null and void, Liverpool will sue. Mm. West Brom, Leeds will sue. Yeah. So they'll have three legal challenges. If they, de- if they declared Liverpool champions and said, and then goes, yes, but we'll keep the, season, we'll keep the table, we declare that the end of season table, then the three relegated, Liverpool won't sue, but the three relegated mm. clubs will. So whatever way they do it, so the only option is to finish this season and get it done and well, has been from day one that's the only one they've looked at well one thing for sure let's hope the season is finished in this life this is the vampire weekend so we're all still confined to our homes it still doesn't feel real nick no it doesn't as been a chain of events mm-hmm. uh, as we would say with Bombay's bicycle club which means that suddenly Life is unprecedented, but I mean, I, I feel, I mean, you know, I've lived in this life a couple of years longer than you, Freddie, but I, I don't know. When I look back, my father fought in World War Two. my grandfather fought in World War One. They had real bad world events. Did they have a handle on, uh, on, on times? When you say times. Did they have a handle on handle. times? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ring a bell when you're going to tell a bike joke, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's all pumped up, isn't he, listeners, today? You know, I'm tired of his jokes. Ah, there we go. Right, let's get on with some more news then. Saints have been talking up future plans. Investing... We're not going to have been to Shimano, the band, are we? No, 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 not this week. Maybe next week. Uh, but Saints have been talking about future pan- plans and investing into the infrastructure of the stadium and the facilities. Uh, again, Martin Simmons, uh, all the uh, uh, manager directors have been in the press to say that the, the, the ground is a bit tired. It's been t- it's 20 years old now or will be uh, kind of next season. Um, there's still it, a few... it will be in 18 months time. There you go. So it's actually 18 and a half years. <laughs> what sort of things then do the club need to kind of spruce up around the ground? Well, firstly, with this... 
I'm again pleased to see them talking up future plans in this, but they've got to get the the order of things. And this is where you know Rupert Lowe many years ago uh, was accused of something similar that he would talk about award winning catering when we were getting drubbed seven nil or seven one or seven two at Liverpool. And this is where Martin Simmons, Toby, Toby Steele have got to be a little bit careful. Because the fans want to hear about what they're going to do with the team. They don't want to. They want to hear about what's changing on the pitch first. Mm. When you're doing well on the pitch, you can talk about infrastructure and building stadiums and that. When you're not, people don't want to hear about that you're going to paint the toilets or yeah. that you're going to put money into the women's team or the academy. They want to hear uh, about you know how we're going to put things right. I mean, they, they now, do They do often send out these kind of customer surveys and they do get a lot of bad or, or a lot of negativity coming out from it. The problem they've got with due regard to everyone, the club haven't got any supporters groups telling them what to do. And I, there was an interesting post on the Ugly Inside, so don't anyone shoot the messenger on this, but it's an interesting post on the Ugly Inside which said the club are listening to people who are trying to represent too many things. So if you take the Saints' voice, they've got people representing disabled, LBGT, supporters living in the country, supporters living abroad, supporters mm. living that, and they're listening to 2% of the fan base as a broad church, but they're not listening to 98% of the fan base. So people that live within you know, a 10, 15 mile radius of the city and a part of the community and a go into the games. So it's okay representing someone who, oh, well, I'm going to represent the foreign supporters, but they're not coming to the games. And that's a problem that they've had of late saints is that they're trying to be all to everyone and they've got to come down and concentrate on what the supporters want. And they don't want, 18, 19, 20 pound burgers. They don't want spruced up stadiums. They're not bothered about that. They're bothered about what's happening on the pitch. Mm, well, one thing as well, we've got to give Saints a bit of credit actually this week. Um, they've delayed the season ticket announcements. Now, I've also heard uh, reports that perhaps some other Premier League clubs have already charged for uh, fans' uh, season tickets. So I think Saints uh, have got their finger on a pulse to some extent here and we're starting to find out really the the conclusion of this current situation. Yeah, it's good to see the club came out and did, did this. It just needed a nudge, uh, not a nudge in the right direction, but they just needed to make an announcement. It almost felt a bit of an, an assurance from the club. And that's what we need. This is going back to what I'm saying. They need to realise they have to, to communicate to the supporters. It's been poor. It was ever who's ever in the PAR department isn't doing their job. Mm. I could do a better job than than that from because the people who are going out there are either it Martin Simmons, Toby Steele, whoever are, firstly haven't been making any comments to the press up till now, and secondly, no one's advising them. Mm. And you know, now it's good they've delayed it. You're quite right, some clubs have charged already, but don't forget, some clubs have payment plans for argument's sake. Brighton cleverly schedule their payment plan so you pay the first payment for next season literally in April. So you pay monthly. Mm. So they have a monthly schedule. So if it's, I don't know if it's 600 quid, you pay £50 a month for 12 months. But your first payment for next season's in April. 
So it's very well done because people forget to to cancel it and they'll just renew and keep going. So some club have issues. Newcastle have issues, as we all know. Mm. Brighton are very good and done it. But good to see Saints. Saints have taken the ball by the horns and they've not sat on their hands for once. They've Mm. made a decision and they've told the fans about the decision. Well, one man at the club who isn't sitting on his hands, he's uh, spending a lot of time uh, trying to develop the new club-wide training schedule. Uh, this is Ralph Hasenhut trying to fill his time and he wants the club to kind of uh, fit in with the, with his sort of structure. He's trying to write a structure to fit the whole philosophy of the football club and increase the chance of the youngsters progressing into the first team. And what, what have we made? I mean, what do you think Ralph is really sort of trying to put on, on paper here? Two things here. This is not a lot different to what Les Reed was trying to augment with the club they you know they wanted something when Les Reed was working at things where they would everything from the kids teams to the first team all played to the same game plan as such so this isn't anything new but what it what it is new is the reason Les Reed's structure never really got augmented is because every manager that we had here Pochettino, Koeman, Mark Hughes, hmm. they all they weren't interested. All they were interested in was the first team because that's what they that's what was their money. They knew that they weren't there for the long term. They were there for a short term, two year shelf life. Get up, keep the club up, try and get something. You move on to the next job. So they wouldn't embrace the philosophy. So what Les Reed was trying to do was set up a philosophy, and the other managers didn't want to do it. I, ironically. Claude Puel came in and fitted that philosophy, but we all know what happened there. But now we've got Matt Crocker back, who's going to augment it. We've got Ralph Hasenhutter, who said when he came in, he didn't see this as a a job. He made no bones that he was ambitious and that he wanted to manage a big club. Mm. But he also said that this was a project for him. It wasn't just a job, it was a project. And that seems to be it. He's not sat at home uh, listening to... German umpire band's greatest hits or anything like that on his on TV or Austrian Alps TV or the sound of music, uh, whatever he watches. He's getting out there and he's building a structure. Now, it doesn't matter how long he gets if we implement that structure. That's the way we've been looking to go for for years. Mm, okay, so just one final thing on this feature then. Uh, a couple of charity notes. We see a lot of doom and gloom on, on the news at the moment, but there's a lot of uh, sort of positive news uh, coming from, uh, well, I guess, connections to Saints recently. Saints Foundation have released a, a series of 10-minute home workout videos for the vulnerable. And we've also seen Danny Ings and Jack Stevens doing their little bit for the Naomi House charity uh, single music video forevermore so good to see these these positive this positivity kind of uh, creeping through the works it's good to see saints foundation workout videos for the vulnerable rather than mr motivator videos for the gullible as it was back in my day people got to work out at home it's good to see positive things on you know again nothing bad against the saints charity good to see they're doing things and it is news that people get involved with because it's charity and football clubs need to be involved in this. So I'm glad they've done the home workout videos. I'm glad that Danny Ings and Jack Stevens featuring the Naomi House charity single music video uh, Forevermore. They said to Jack, can you sing Forevermore? They said, I don't know, I get tired after three verses and a chorus. But uh, boom, boom. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I hope he doesn't muck it up at the end, is all I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, so despite us being confined to our four walls at home, it has been T-shirt weather outside, Nick. 
Yes, it has. It's been great. I like a bit of t-shirt weather, but it, it's a bit colder today. I think actually, I, uh, we're we're in our own culture bunker, so I haven't been outside because obviously this is being recorded early on a Saturday morning, ten o'clock for early for me. We're going away games, so I haven't been outside to see if it is t-shirt weather. So I'm hoping the last time I looked, which was the weatherman on Thursday, that we haven't had a sudden heat wave. <laughs> Time then to step into the time machine of this week. And on this day, we've got a few things to cover. Well, on this week in history, let's cast our minds back uh, 12 years ago, Nick. Saturday, the 22nd of March, a new statue was unveiled to commemorate Ted Bates. So what did you make of the first one, first of all? So this was the new, new Ted Bates. This is the new, new Ted Bates statue. Uh, the first, I was un- involved in all the fundraising for it. The, the campaign for a Ted Bates statue was first started on the Ugly Inside website. And a, a committee was formed and the money was raised. Uh, in truth, I was a little bit disappointed that it took so long to raise the money. I didn't see the statue before it was unveiled. Mm-hmm. If I had seen it before it was unveiled, I would have sent the thing back, to be honest. This was the first one that was a sort of cross, uh, sort of Milan Mandaric come, uh, who else was it they, they say it looked like? Oh, Jimmy Cranky. That's I don't know Jimmy Cranky and uh, yeah. a cross between Jimmy Cranky and Milan Mandaric. Yeah. It was a I'll horror. Be, I'll be honest, as I say, I'm not going to slate anyone on this. All I'm going to say is that if I'd have seen that statue before it had been unveiled, I would have I would have said this thing cannot go up. It is an abomination. The first time I saw it, I was there. I was at the dinner. I was there. The first time I saw it was when the unveiling came off. And to be perfectly honest, it was a little bit like <laughs> the Emperor's New Clothes. Everyone sort of clapped and cheered and didn't actually say Jesus. <laughs> Uh, we went in, we had a big dinner where everyone stood up, people stood up, gave speeches, thanked people, said things, and no one said anything. Everyone behaved like it was the best statue since Nelson's Column. And then obviously the elephant in the room was addressed. The elephant in the room wasn't addressed to the next day, mm. really. And then the elephant in the room trampled through the uh, jungle and then the new one was uh, revealed a few weeks later and it's a a nice touch now a a, a staple it's basically virtually a year later i think right you can't just knock up a a new statue in uh in 20 20 days type thing so i've got a feeling it was a year later i mean it's long it was 12 years since the the new new one so i've got a feeling it might have been 2007 for the first one. But the but, statue we have now outside St. Mary's, it's a staple of, of, of the football club and it's a, a classy statue now. A classy statue. It's a fitting tribute. And I, I think if it's Ted Bates built the foundations of this club, Ted Bates did for Saints what Bill Shankly did for Liverpool. Mm. And Laurie McBenemy took those foundations and built on them even more. And in my opinion, we should have a statue for Laurie McBenemy before he dies mm. i'm not saying he is dying but i'm just saying that it would be nice to have one that he could actually see and appreciate right yeah next then so let's cast our minds back to wednesday the 24th of march in 1993 some saints fans were in horror uh, as uh, matt letizier 
He missed the only penalty of his career in a 2-1 defeat at Nottingham Forest. And uh, we've got a a clip here we can commentate over the top. So uh, hopefully you can see what I'm seeing, Nick. Uh, Let's talk you through it then. So it's Nicky Banger then is getting tugged back in the penalty area. Yeah, I mean, firstly, it was it was at the Dell, not not at, at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, at the Dell. Uh, yeah. So, as you say, Letizia, Nicky Bange has been pulled back. They've cleared it off the line. The referee's given the penalty. Letizia stepped up. He's hit a fairly decent penalty, but the key, it's like the one thing. If a keeper would dive the other way, it would have looked a superb strike. But he, he then blazed it over the bar. When it was easier to score. That's right. I mean, was it was it a poor pen or a good save? And and Matt, in fact, has been honest, and he, he was first to interact with our tweet earlier this week to say that he was more embarrassed by the rebound. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the best penalty he took, but then again, penalties he, he, penalties are scoring a penalty is reliant on the goalkeeper going the other way mm. in many respects. You know, if you blast him, yeah, you've got a bit of a better chance, but if you blast him, you lose a bit of accuracy. It was a good strike. In terms of he had it on target, the goalkeeper had to work to get it and die for it, but it was a good save as well. So not the worst shot. And as Matt says online, the uh, the rebound was the worst miss. Mm. Funny enough, I missed it as well because we used to play in a, an evening league uh, up at the on the weather pitch at the sports centre, which used to kick off on Wednesday nights, and we had an early kick off that night. And so me and I, and most of the team, we had to hot foot it up to get in the ground sort of about 10 minutes before half time or something to be told that Letizia had missed the oh. penalty. I missed <laughs> so history. I missed history as well. <laughs> OK, right. Moving on then to our second uh, uh, rewind in the time machine, uh, March 27th, 2004. This was a 1-0 Saints victory over Tottenham Hotspur and Rory DeLapp's first goal in nearly two years. And I'm referring back to the excellent book on this day written by Graham Hiley. It said Rory DeLapp was a club record signing of four million and it was unlikely to be broken anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, he was sort of a a niche signing as we moved into a new stadium in 2001. The club wanted to make a, uh, a, as they call it, uh, not niche signing, what's the word, mark. Marquee signing, and it was Rory Delap, uh, but he's he was Rory Delacking in goals, really. So here we here we go. This is by the look of it, St Mary's. The ball is crossed, yeah, or headed back in, and Rory Delap has shown that he's better when he doesn't look. (laughs) I think he would be better closing his eyes to give the same effect when facing full. But it was a quality goal, one nil. I'm not sure you're doing too much justice here as the ball is being cleared up. Is that Fernandez or is it Bernard on the right-hand side tries to get the ball back in and it's, and it's Delapp sort of a yard away from the penalty area. What year was it? 2004? 2004. It wouldn't have been Bernard because he was 2004, 2005. What month was it? Anyway, we're digressing. It's an excellent acrobatic kick worthy to win any game. Yeah, that was good. Good goal. Good goal. Next then. Okay, so on this day today, 10 years ago, do you believe it? I mean, 10 years ago, time has flown uh, when you're having fun, right? But Sunday, the 28th of March, Saints win the Johnston Paint Trophy at Wembley, a 4-1 victory against Carlisle in front of 44,000 Saints supporters. Yeah, it was more than 44,000. That was our that was our original ticket. I think we got up a little bit more. We got a few more thousand. But mm. anyway, go to the goals. And so what was the time of the first goal? Then? Well, let's have a look. I'm trying to think. I mean, this was the start of my 
record of missing dolls at Wembley. So, uh, <laughs> I can't remember if I saw this or not. So here we go then. It's a work down the right-hand side. I think it's Papa Wago chasing the ball down, hurrying it out. Uh, who's that falling back to? It's Michel Antonio, young Michel Antonio, knocks the ball across. And it looks like it's... it's it's a handball, uh, given the penalty. I don't know what the Paul defender Wooden is doing there. The defender's jumped with his arm and it's hit his arm rather than his head. It's completely misjudged it. And as you mm-hmm. say, the some of the Saints' uh, uh, team is surrounding the referee. And let's just skip forward there to the point where Lambert uh, steps up the penalty. And it's a clear handball. Yeah, clear handball. Here we go. Ricky Lambert. Referee steps over, says, look, I just look at the ball, make sure that it's got the... Advertising the right way for the cameras. No one encroaching. Ricky Lambert, every almost overtaken by two Carlisle players by the time he got the ball. One nil. Excellent penalty. Firm, hard and high. That's the type of penalty where it doesn't matter whether the goalkeeper goes the right way, he ain't going to get near it. So we're just skipping forward then to the second goal then and it's uh, Mikel Antonio uh, with the long throw into the box. Here we go, over to you Nick. Yeah, the long throw goes in. It's Lambert with a knock-on, and it's Adam Lallana getting in between the two yeah, defenders, finding creating Adam a bit of space. Very young-looking Adam Lallana there, isn't it? Looking like he's just come out of a Russian gulag <laughs> with his air cut there. Uh, he, he makes no mistake with the flick-on from Ad Ricky Lambert from the near post. Lambert with a great little... Uh, Lallana with a bit of movement to get in between the defenders and nods it in for 2-0. Saints are in cruise control. Offside, according to the Carlisle players, but I think the man at the right... Poser was playing him on. The mm. right back was playing him on. So, yeah, we'll do it. We'll handle that. Good header. Keeper, no chance. Doesn't even move. Do you know what I also want to add before we get to the third goal? Um, is Alan Pardew's uh, attire for the Wembley final. He's got a blazer over top of his training tracksuit. Yeah, well, it was a little bit, I don't know, maybe he thought it was a bit cold that day. <laughs> uh, surely, Wembley, you've got to wear a shirt and tie. On, though. Is it a polo No, top it's, it, I looked at it closely and it's a training jersey oh, underneath right. his uh, smart blazer. Fair enough, then. Right, let's get forward into the third goal. This was one I definitely missed. So this is into the second half, then, and it is a breakaway goal, then. Uh, is that... That is Ricky Lambert with the ball just before the halfway line. A little one-two play between Papa Wega, whatever happened to him. Yeah, Lambert I mean, with the one-touch across, a low cross across the box. Bit of a defensive error there. It is quite a catastrophic defensive error, really. Uh, the, the the defender doesn't, doesn't it gets his toes and his feet all mixed up, doesn't know if he's mm-hmm. coming or going. And it's Antonio with the, the hard, firm shot. And it ricochets off the goalkeeper's face. It loops up and Papa Wega in there to nod it in. Yeah, go. That's a quiz question for you. If you name players who scored at Wembley, you're probably not going to name Papa Wago. How did you see it then, Nick? Where did you see it in the ground? Uh, I was queuing for a beer. I think <laughs> it was just after, it was like a minute after half time. Unbelievable. So it's yeah. two out of three so far then. So I'd missed two out of the three goals. I think I missed a Lalana goal, which was just before half time, and this one, which was just after. Okay, right, let's move on to the fourth goal then, which uh, basically seals the tie. I saw this one. Two out of four ain't bad. Funny enough, I'd seen every Saints Wembley goal up to that point, and then I missed two in the sake of five minutes. So here we go. It's a long ball forward from Kelvin Davis. Oh, headed uh, on again, headed uh, on again. A bit of head um, tennis on the edge of the 18-yard box against Carlisle, but it's a ricochet up and then a ricochet down. Uh, it's Mikel Antonio, Johnny on the spot, hard, low and hard and firm. Yeah. Beats the goalkeeper 4-0. Yeah, that'll do us. Good day, happy days. But ne- never mind. To be honest, it's not a good, it's not a proper trophy. Uh, no one's got a 
Johnson paints trophy winners tattoo. You'll it's be surprised. Good, I don't <laughs> think I, I've yet to meet anyone who has. It's a shame so, we didn't get Antonio on a permanent deal though at that time. To be fair, he, he wasn't the finished article. When I was very surprised he made it at Premier League level. I thought he was a very good or possibly a good League One player who could possibly mm. make it in the championship. He wasn't great for Saints. Okay then, so just a bonus then on uh, on the cup final. So 11 players obviously started that game. Can you tell me or can you remember the starting 11? Kelvin Davis. Yeah. So let's go from defence midfield okay. forward. Oh, gosh, Christ. Kelvin Davis, yep. uh, the full-back, Bolondad full-back, what's his name? Uh, always used to harangue the ball boys. Are you struggling already, Nick? I am struggling. Let's see if I'm going to write this down so I, I can remember out and get. So Davis, Wago, yep. Lilana, yep. Lambert, yep. Lilana Lambert, Antonio, uh, yep. Davis, Wago, Lilana, Lambert, Antonio, Schneidlin. No, not even in the squad. He must have been injured, I think. Paul Watton. Who, who, you've already said them twice. Yeah, but I haven't written them down on my list. Two, four, so I've got six of the starting 11. Okay, One. who lifted oh. the trophy? Davis, Calvin Davis. No, wrong. Why? He wasn't captain. Who was captain then? You tell me. <laughs> yeah, I think you're wrong, but it was Calvin Davis who was captain. Yeah, but he lifted it with somebody else. Well, he didn't lift it with Marcus Lieber. No. Anyway, uh, Nick, I'll tell you what we'll do. We, we, I've created a little quiz for the listeners and everybody to, to get themselves involved. If you uh, head to our Twitter and Facebook page and uh, complete the quiz. Nick hasn't completed it. Tell us how you do. Jose, get involved. No, no, Jose Fonte? Yeah, I think you've already said him. No, I haven't already said him. No, Jose Fonte seven. So I've got seven. Okay. Jose Fonte. Right. Let's just leave it there for now. Then let's ask, let's see what our listeners can do any better. Head to our Twitter and Facebook page. But uh, lots of those players have gone their own way since that cup final. Here's here's Fleetwood Mac. Welcome back to our second hour and you are listening to Saints on Saturday, self-isolating with the ugly inside, sponsored by the Five Rivers Sports Bar and Grill on 103.9 Voice FM. Now, uh, last week we set you the challenge uh, of washing your hands for 20 seconds and singing your favourite football song or Saints chant uh, or when when the Saints. You tried a few in the studio last week, Nick. Uh, Danny Ings, King of the Scummers. Uh, we did get a few responses, actually, from our, uh, our followers on Twitter and our Facebook. Our supporters. And a few of them were some good uh, suggestions. We had uh, Lambert to where's the number of Latiz. He scores the goal. He takes the whatever. Um, and we also had uh, a couple of others as well. But actually, to be fair, I want to call a few people out here. We had a few, uh, quite a lot of negative responses. It mostly backlash from our own fans. So uh, I said it was the worst thing ever. So uh, people came in mop handed. I'm sorry, just trying to lighten the mood, folks. Exactly. I mean, these are the type of people who tell, keep telling me this is the worst. You know, we were telling me back early, this is, this is the worst team ever, the worst time ever. You know, get a life. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, if this is the worst thing that ever happened in your life, that somebody put a stupid video up singing a song to wash their hands, then you should think yourself lucky. Because I've had plenty of worse things happen to me in my life. Parents die, things like that. So people say, so let me get this right then. Someone has said this is the worst thing ever. Yeah. So worse than their parents dying, worse than a coronavirus. Worse than the Titanic being sunk. 
worse than the dinosaurs dying out because of meteoric world. This is the worst thing ever. Do people honestly get <laughs> get wound up about someone having a, washing their hands? Well, I'm so I, I'm very pleased for people. If this is the worst thing that's ever happened in your life, you should be thank yourself very lucky. Some people were desperate to unsee it. it was that cringeworthy? But uh, crikey, it's uh, cringeworthy. Who cares if it's cringeworthy? Who cares? It, we're we're in lockdown now. Yeah. We're in you know the worst thing ever that's happened to me is coronavirus. Mm. It doesn't feel like it and sometimes because it's a little bit. You, nothing's really happening. But at the end of the day, I've never taken part in a pandemic before. Mm. As you say, let, let's see. Let's let's see what's that. You know, if someone thinks that's the worst thing ever, then so no, their household must be so much fun in these t- desperate times. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Moving on. Then this week's theme. Then, uh, and I posed the question. We had a lot of response this week. Actually, uh, I asked our followers this week uh, to name your ultimate five-a-side team. No restrictions. Players, past or present. Kick us off, then, Nick. Who are you going to have in goal? Well, I would actually have, although I don't think he's the best goalkeeper. If you look at five-a-side, a five-a-side is an indoor sport mm-hmm. played in a very small goal. That would have helped us a lot with some of the goalkeepers we've had over the years if we could have had that size goal on the pitch. But you've got to have a goalkeeper who's a shot stopper, a goal line keeper. And, you know, so you're not looking at a, a, goal, a player that commands his area, catches crosses, and yeah. a, a, you're just a shot stopper. So that point, from recent years... You know, take our greatest goalkeepers. Peter Shilton is a, is a bit too stocky to be a good goal uh, keeper. Tim Flowers, perhaps, but I would say best goal line keeper shots. Or uh, I'd say Kelvin Davis. I'm going to put Kelvin Davis in my ultimate five-a-side team. Personally, I would have gone with Antoniemi. Great shot stopper. Uh, you know, he's yeah. Actually, I, I I might change my mind. I'll go with Antoniemi. I've forgotten about him. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so a lot of controversy already. So uh, Antoniemi goal, great shot stop. I remember his double saves, triple saves. You know, I think having said that, Kelvin Davis excellent in the championships and League One, nimble occasionally. Yeah, I mean, I'm going with Antoniemi because Antoniemi could do it in the Premiership, and Kelvin sadly couldn't. Okay, so what's your formation? Are you going to go for a one-two-one, or is it going to be a, a one-zero-three? I take it you never played five aside then if you think there's formations in it. Well, who knows? You know, who knows? I was going to go for five, 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 wherever the ball is, everyone's chasing it around. When I played five aside, you genuinely generally add two, two at the back, two in the midfield, and one up front. Okay, so who's your defenders then? Defenders again in five aside, you want small, small players. The best players to five aside are fullbacks. You don't need centre halves. Because you're not going to have the ball because the ball can't go above head height. Mm. Depending so on where you to, play. Depending on where you well, you play. don't want to play Peter Crouch because that pushes up the height that you can kick the ball to, does it? <laughs> so uh, you, I, I would have so I'd have a couple of good nippy fullbacks. Wayne Bridge, yeah, perhaps, and uh, Ryan Bertrand, I think, would be a good uh, okay. side player. Uh, Bridge was actually quite a left-field choice by a lot of our, uh, our comments. Um, a lot, Actually, a popular choice was also Van Dyke at the back. Great with his feet, you know. Good. Too big. Too big for five-a-side. But he's strong. Yeah, but you don't need to be that strong in five-a-side. You, you need, you've got to look at what you're doing for. You know, you, you need short, nippy, fast players. That's my ultimate five-a-side team. Okay, uh, so let's just go to a few of our suggestions then uh, on, uh, let's go with this uh, Twitter from LZ. This is this is one I make you laugh. This is the no-nonsense five-a-side team. Benali as rush keeper. 
Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Razor Ruddock, Dennis, Case and Herlock. Not many girls, but entertaining to watch nonetheless. Well, it would be X-rated to watch if you had that <laughs> side. Benali, Ray, got it. I've gone for two nippy fullbacks. Yep. And I've gone for my goalkeeper. Midfield player, Adam Lalana. Okay. Adam Lalana, you've got to have Adam Lalana, you know, because he's, again, nip, nippy, tricky, mm. everything you want. And for that mind, I'd go for Kevin Keegan as well. Do you know who you're also missing? And um, quite a few people also missed him out. Um, obviously, the greatest ever man to wear the red and whites for Southampton, you know, technically one of the greatest players ever, and you wouldn't have him in your five side team. Who's that? Matthew Letizia. Well, I've only picked four players so far, haven't I? Well, you got one in goal. Oh no, got... that's right. Sorry, yeah, it's two. I've, I've, I was going. I'd add, added six. Sorry, you're right. I'd have. I'd it's have... a conundrum now, isn't it? Well, no, I tell you, yeah, cause, no, it's not. I'd have. Sorry, we definitely have Niamey, Bertrand, uh, and Bridge. Yeah. I would have definitely have Lilana. Yeah. So I need one more because you sort of play a two-two formation in yeah. five side. So I'd, I'd, I'd add it up wrongly. So there is only one player that could play in my ultimate five-a-side team with those three players. Who would it be then? Myself. <laughs> Myself. I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have on the bench. So you're I'd telling have, me you'd pick yourself over Matt Letizia? Letizia, Keegan on the bench and myself. Well, you're asking for my ultimate five-a-side <laughs> team, aren't you? And if anyone out there has not picked himself in the team, it ain't their ultimate five-a-side team, is it? Because I want to play in a five-a-side team that... Is is if that's my ultimate. But on a serious note, yeah, I'd have Letizia alongside. It's quite close to what Keith. I've actually got. Um, we're not sharing screens at this point. I've got Niamey Van Dyke, Bridge, Letizia, Lalana. Technically good players, uh, mm. great finishers, uh, and I yeah. think that would be a a, a fearsome uh, technical yeah. side to. Then I'd, have, then I'd have Keegan on the bench and Alan Ball. I'd have Alan Ball on the bench as well because Alan Ball short nippy he'd be a good five-a-side mm. player let's go to a couple more comments then that we had this week uh from Glenn on Facebook he went for Boric Steele Case Herlock O'Brien well I, I wouldn't have George O'Brien is is like the fifth sadly George died we uh mm. a week or so ago so rest in peace George O'Brien good time good that someone's picked him in their five-a-side team it would be George O'Brien not Jerry that would be picked George O'Brien scored many goals for Saints, should have had a cap for Scotland, was poorly treated by the club, passed away this week. So, mm. you know, our condolences to his family who still live in the area. And sadly, uh, there was a confusion just before and after Christmas when people thought that George had died then, but sadly he has now. So rest in peace, George. You were what you were truly one of the Saints legends. And I'm glad that someone's remembered you in, your, in the ultimate five-a-side team. So let's go on. So we had Boris in goal. Steel, Case and Herlock. Steel, again, Steel, Case and Herlock. Too cumbersome. They're big, you know, they're big players. You know, some players are suited to 11-a-side pitches. Jimmy Steele, Terry Herlock and Jimmy Case are those, some of those players. You need in five-a-side little nimble players. You don't, you can't tackle. You can't do sliding tackles. You can't. You know, you can't kick people in five-a-side. So you need, you know, I'm happy with my, I would put my side, obviously, without myself in it. I'd manage it. Mm. I would manage it. I'd be the manager. He's also followed up with a Nutters 11. Here we go. So it's gone John Burridge, McGrath, Dennis Hollywood, Jordan. Joe Jordan, yeah. Dennis Hollywood, 
I, I saw the last se- season of his career when I come in, he was a hard man amongst hard men. Would you, could you imagine that five-a-side versus uh, Elsie's five-a-side? Uh, luckily, yeah. let's have a look here. Only Dennis is featuring in both. Yeah, no. I mean, Mark Dennis, good, great player. Great player. We, I, I had to do a little thing for four four two, as you know, and I had Mark Dennis in the side. Uh, and Stu also follows up with a similar uh, five-a-side. John Burrows, Razor Addict, Terry Herlock, Jimmy Case, David Speedy. Lots of red and yellow cards in there then. Well, David Speedy was perhaps one of our worst. So if you had a side, if you had a five-a-side team made up of worse signings, worst signings, David Speedy would be one of them. You'd have who would you have in goal? Good God! Uh, but you would have, perhaps have David Besson in goal. Uh, you, you'd have you definitely have David Speedy, Kerry Dixon, mm. uh, Danny Asvaldo, perhaps, and Dido Carrillo. Good. There's a Five bad signings. Yeah. All strikers uh, are good. None of them. Every, all of them would be out on loan. So you'd never. <laughs> you'd never. You uh, <laughs> wouldn't be able to play a game. Uh, uh, okay then. So that's our ultimate five-a-side team. No restrictions. No players past or present. Uh, some would say uh, we're a bit of fantasy, but it's a lust for life. Some would say that, but if you were going to have Iggy Pop, my five-a-side team has got no passengers. Rapidly approaching the final whistle of today's show, then the final feature, the infamous ins and outs. What's in this week? We should do it like bullseye. In one. But uh to get Jim Byrne back on the scene. In one. Lockdown. Stay in home. Now I, I actually like this in the fact that we've got you know, we we we've got time to chill out. Modern life is a frantic pace. Everything nowadays is that, you know, gotta be there quick, fast food. Fast everything. It gives us all time a chance to slow down and just live life at a, 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 a nice slow pace. My afternoon won't be ruined by Jack Stevens. Huh. It, it, two minutes from the end of the game. With uh, apologies, other poor centre halves are available in the Saints lineup. Uh, it won't be ruined by an error. I can sit back. I don't have to look. I don't have to wait with trepidation. I don't have to spend five minutes on a Saturday afternoon waiting for a referee's final whistle in injury time to secure a win. I can just sit back and enjoy it. I'm not having to look at everything. So lockdown and staying in is, is good. I think we need, and going forward, I think the world will be a better place or Britain will be a better place because we'll have had time to sit down and actually stay at home and look at our homes and realise how lucky we are. And, you know, just appreciate something. We'll appreciate things a lot better when it comes out. So I'm always a, I'm always a, an advocate of it's not what's just happened, it's what you do next. Mm. And you can sit back and say, oh, lockdown, it's horrible, it's doing that. But I don't look at it that way. I'm going to use it to do some of the things that I've never had time to do. And, then, you know, menial things like clean the patio. Or, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to do stuff like that. And I'm going to... I'm going to obey what the government say because, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, it's I don't want to die more than anyone else. So, you know, let's just be good. Let's do it. Let's stay at home and enjoy it. I mean, it's not like if we'd have had lockdown 40 years ago, three channels on the telly and no Internet. God knows what we'd have done there. Now it's it's luxury. <laughs> but one thing to help us all survive, though, is also social distancing. Have you been to the shop or the supermarket recently? Sunday. So a lot of supermarkets have also introduced tape on the floor to keep your social distance, your safe well, distance. I, well, I'm told it's changed since Sunday, but when I went Sunday, it was an absolute sham. 
I went to a local supermarket and then so you have the you have the till, right? I went I went on so I went on Saturday to a supermarket, I went on Sunday to a supermarket. The first one I went to on Sunday, which I won't name, had a system where the tills had a double aisle, if you see what I mean. So when you went in, there was a big wide aisle at the till. So you had a till on the right side, you had a till on the left side. Yeah, you get you get the picture? Yeah. Right. So you had a draw, line drawn across the line at the end. So the idea was that you socially distance yourself from the person at front. So at the front of the queue, you had a bloke at the till putting his stuff in the trolley. And at the far end, you had a bloke sort of leaning over a line like he's at the start of the Blues Brothers film hmm. and reaching over to get his stuff, putting his stuff onto the conveyor belt at the other end. And he wasn't allowed to advance forward to the till so the bloke at the till had left. That is great for social distancing, apart from the fact that the bloke stood at the line at six people within six foot of him behind him. Hmm. And he was also stood one foot from the bloke stood next to him on the line to go to the other till. So to- totally, totally and utterly rubbish. I bought, I bought, there was a two, an offer, two for four pound in some uh, beverages, a famous beverage, two bottles for four pounds. So I bought two lots of this. I was told I could only have three of them. Yeah. Well, you can have three, but that's the same price as four. No, you can only have three. I bought, I could have bought a, a, a box of 12 bottles. Yeah, you could have bought three of them. So I could buy 36 bottles if I bought them in boxes, but I could only buy three yeah. if I bought them signally. So total, total sham. I then went to a shop the next day, which was a little bit better, only a single aisle. So you had the social, di- the arrow, you, this one, you had a, a three-pronged attack here. So you have the man at the till, the man putting his stuff on the conveyor belt, and then you had another six-foot gap to get the third person in the queue. Mm. But when the third person in the queue is now, so far back from the till, he's in some of the aisles. So he's got six people behind him in a six-foot gap behind him, and he's in the aisles. So there's a queue in the aisles, and everyone's reaching over to get stuff. So you get near it. Total sham. I've been told it's better now, but I believe in social distancing. All I'm going to say is we're no longer in Europe. It's not two metres, it's 2.18 yards. (laughs) Well, although social distancing is in this week, it seems like the methods of it is probably going to be out. Got to be fine-tuned. Right. What else is in this week? The Saints Foundation. Yeah. For their their workout videos, I would take it. Uh, As you say, I've got a script writer that does this listeners, so I don't don't, don't write this rubbish. But uh, no, Saints Foundation done some good workout videos, I believe. Uh, I I haven't done one myself yet, but uh, I've done a little bit of cycling as my hours or my recreation for the day or whatever they call it. So uh, I would urge you all, if you can't get out there in the the Great British Outdoors and do something, do the Saints Foundation video. Yeah, and they're accessible on the uh, Saints Foundation website or Southampton website uh, for those that are kind of confined to their own homes. And you can do your workouts in your living room, on your sofa, or on your chair. And on your uh, roof. On your roof, if you must. Yeah, sure, absolutely. If you've got access to the to a device to watch the videos along with them. And I uh, urge you to try and get involved as much as you can. Try and, uh, Although we are confined to this lockdown, try and stay active as much as you can as well. Uh, in this week, Nick. British summertime is joining us. The clocks go back. The clocks go forward. No, they go back. They go forward. No, they don't. They go back. <laughs>
<laughs> we're going back and forward here. We're going back and forwards here, yeah. No, they go back. So do they or they go forward? So they go five forward. o'clock, six, they go forward. <laughs> do they? Oh, I told everyone, so they went back. They went back in October. Well, that was back in October, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. They, they're going forward tomorrow night. Yeah, I suppose you're right, because five o'clock will be six o'clock, won't it? Yeah, so, right, the clocks are going forward, so that's in. But it's also an out as well, because you know what that means? Less time We've got in an bed. hour less to hate Pompey. Ha. Um, there you go. So there we go. Although it is British summertime and coming to us, uh, you know, we're, of course, limited to the great outdoors. But also in this week, Nick. Is the NHS. Here, here. Yeah, uh, what a great job they're doing. We've, we've all got to look to the NHS and, you know, and applaud them. Mm. You know, we, you know, a round of applause to them because they're working hard and hopefully an army of volunteers. I've applied to be, I've registered for an army of volunteers. Good. That's you great. know, I, I am one of the 400,000 that is offered it's, by services. It's now 600,000. Six hundred. They won't need me, mind you. Saying that, I put myself down as air ambulance, so uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not quite sure that, that we needed that me there. But we'll see. Uh, of course, as well, this was followed up on Thursday night, and uh, I guess the rest of the week uh, with clap for your carers, uh, uh, clap for the carers at eight pm every night. And this is something that's been introduced across Europe, and it's now uh, you know we, we've caught the the bug, as they say, across clap the UK. Clap for the carers. That sounds like another pandemic. Yeah. Now, so people are, are, are applauding the NHS, the workers, nurses, carers yeah. uh, from their windows, from their front lawns, and good for them. Yeah, it was good. And they also had a singing You'll Never Walk Alone on every radio station, didn't they, earlier in the week? I know that's, right. that's stuck in some people's throats. But, hey, this is times we've all got, we're all in the same boat or bridge. Mm, well, hopefully they haven't been burned just yet. Uh, but out this week. Out. Social media. Go on, I'll let you do this one. Yeah, so this is kind of following on from our notes earlier on. Um, and I got so sick of such social media this week. Uh, all this doom and gloom, wherever you go, you find yourself brainlessly scrolling through the social media apps, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever you may use at home. I've decided to put an app timer on it, so limited uh, the amount of time that I'm brainlessly scrolling through my device every day. Yeah, what, and what, what have you, what's the app timer then? 14 hours? It's 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm limiting my, uh, my social media to, uh, apps 15 minutes per day. And, it, you know, it's, sort of, it's quite healthy for your mental health as well. Well, that's it. I'm trying to do the same. This is what I come in about lockdown, staying home. Do things that you don't spend all your time on, on, you know, social media, on the internet. You know, get out and do things. You know, I've gone out for my one long walk a day or a long cycle ride for the day. Uh, so, yeah, out social media. I'm getting sick. I'm getting sick of it, which leads us to our next uh, uh, out, which is abuse. Mm. And you're right. It's a time to be kind. These are troubling times. You know, it's not the worst thing ever that someone's recorded a, a cringeworthy video, in your opinion, about singing a super, a, a stupid song type thing. It's, you know, comedy is comedy. For every good, brilliant comedy show, there's ten appalling ones. You know, so why do we all have to abuse people? Let's just be nice. Times are hard enough at the moment without people abusing people. There we go. Okay, so moving on then. Uh, to our next out. To our next out, haircuts. Yep, the barbers. So that, with the last one, that haircut is, is appalling, Freddie, you've got there. <laughs> sort it out. It's, uh, of course, the barbers, the hairdressers have been forced to close under government advice. 
and, and those that are desperate for, for a haircut over the last sort of few days and now have so. to <laughs> so it looks like i'm gonna have long hair i'm gonna have a ponytail by the end of this pandemic it, to be honest haircuts this haircuts won't affect me because nine years ago uh, wandering around a, a sh- shop with a, I had some sort of voucher for it, but I got from somewhere. I bought some clippers because mm. I thought I was. This is nine years ago. I was going to my address. I've been going to my addresses for years, and sort of. And then he he sort of retired. He took early retirement, so I was left without a real regular address. And I went to a couple, and in the end, I thought I'm just going in and having a number two or number three. Uh, shave and it was costing me a tenner and i saw these clippers and it was it was like 30 quid for these clippers so i thought it's costing me 10 pound i'm driving sometimes i've got to pay the park so it's costing me like 12 quid an haircut and i'm probably having it 10 to 12 times a year so if i say 10 it's cost me 120 quid for a haircut so i bought these clippers 30 quid and i've never looked back uh <laughs> That's because you can't. I'm in the mirror. So we won't be a, we won't we won't be a stylish nation by the end of this pandemic. We'll either have long shaggy hair or sort of number ones all over. I'm going to go out. I'm going to tomorrow. I'm due a haircut, and I'm going to go over, and I'm going to cut. It, I'm going to go out and give myself a number one because let's face it, no one's going to see it because I can't go anywhere. So uh-huh. and it save me, uh, you know, save me another month before I do it. Right. Any more outs this week then? Yeah, we got two more. The first out is shops closing. I like going to shops, but what I'm really, what's really out is that a lot of these smaller independent shops mm. struggling, and hopefully the government bails them out, and hopefully when they reopen, we'll remember and we'll patronise them, and we'll we'll remember the shops that tried to help and tried to do things the right way, and we'll also remember the ones like a major sports retailer owned by a Premier League owner yeah. that have treated their staff appallingly and. And they've tried to keep open and stay open when the government is asking them to close because they're trying to say that they're an essential thing because people got to buy gym kit or whatever. You can't go to the gyms. No, exactly. But we, you know, and we can stand up in our underpants, like, can't we, in our front rooms <laughs> if we want to do the Saints Foundation thing. Remember to close the curtains there. I'm not going to get sued because someone's been said that I told them to do this in their underpants and they, they did it in full view of a street. So the next out, the last out, I jigsaw puzzles. Just before we went into lockdown, I could see it coming. So I went into a shop, one of these, I was in Romsey, nice little shop, independent sort of bookstore, sells books cheap. And I bought several things. I bought, for some reason, a status quo autobiography Mm. for £3 and a John Lennon autobiography, both quite interesting. I'm with the status quo one, mind opening what they got up to and i'm reading the john lennon one very interesting but i also bought a jigsaw 14 pound 99 it cost me a thousand piece jigsaw it's taken it's taken us five days to do it average of two to three hours a day slaving over a jigsaw thousand pieces we completed it last night and then we looked and noticed it was one piece short. There's only 999 in the box. <laughs> so we're, but we can't take it back because the shop's closed. I, I've, just done the, I've just done the math. So it's about two P a piece. Better get your money back. Yeah, God, it cost me more in petrol. There is a <laughs> slight chance that the dog ate it. But, <laughs> oh, but, but we, aside from standing at the back of him for long times when he goes out. <laughs> 
Yeah, on that note, then, I think we'll call that time for this week's show. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. All of our tunes will be available on our Spotify playlist. Just search Saints on Saturday on 103.9 Voice FM or The Ugly Inside. Remember to follow at Voice FM Radio at The Ugly Inside on the social pages. But for now, it's bye from me and bye from Nick. Bye from me. One point, if you if you were in the Romsey or Totten area last Saturday and you find a jigsaw puzzle piece on the floor, it could be mine. I might have dropped it coming out of the shop. What, what, what's, the, uh, what's the jigsaw? It was called London Calling, which sadly, when I got it home, wasn't one of the clash. Mm. It was of famous London landmarks. And uh, I think the Houses of Parliament are missing a big chunk. Wow. It's quite uh, a good jigsaw. It's quite an enjoyable jigsaw. First jigsaw I've done since I was a child, possibly. Well, whoever finds that piece of the jigsaw then will be a little bit like our NHS staff at the moment, uh, working around the clock to save our lives, uh, tirelessly putting the efforts in. And this is the song we're going to close the show with, dedicated to all of the NHS staff around the UK. Uh, This is David Bowie and Heroes. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you soon. And up the Saints. And the Saints.